Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The most damaging thing that can happen to a child of God is that they become filled up with pride. It's the worst thing that could take place in the life of someone that God is using greatly. The person that maybe God has given you a gift. God, according to his grace, has given all of us some gift. He's given us all some abilities. He's given us all some, we got some natural stuff, but we have some supernatural things as believers that God's, I've, I've graced you with these things. Unmerited favor. You don't deserve them. You don't earn them. You don't work for them. I just decided, boom, I'm giving you that and I'm gracing you with this. Are you struggling with pride? Everyone struggles with it at some point in their lives and to varying degrees. In the message today, Pastor Bill will share with you how damaging pride can be, and he'll warn you to be careful. So how do you avoid getting sucked into prideful thinking? You can find freedom in Christ. He modeled a perfect example of humility, and true and lasting freedom is only found through him. What might you need to give up in your life that's been holding you back from surrendering your life fully to the Lord? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. And again, I titled today's message, When I Am Weak. And let me bring you up to speed if you weren't here last week. Uh, in chapter 11, and it kind of follows right into chapter 12, Paul is defending his character. There are people that have came into the Corinthian church in Paul's absence, and they attacked Paul. And a lot of the things that Paul did to show forth godly character, not taking money from the people, um, not taking advantage of the people, um, teaching them the word. Some of these false apostles would come in with lots of glitz and lots of, sh you know, sh they take money from the people. For you guys that were here last week, they actually abused the people. They would slap them in the mouth, it says. They did all these things to demonstrate their power and authority, though it wasn't true spiritual power and authority. And so... Um, sometimes, sadly, what happens is human nature will look at those people that like, look at they 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 must be the real deal because look at they that guy's going to charge 10,000 to come speak. That must be a real anointing right there. Like you for free. So you might not be that good. But that guy is 10 grand. And really, it's the opposite. Paul is saying, look, I'm, I do this for the Lord. I'm not doing it for the money. But but in human nature, sometimes you look at these works and you wonder how come so many people are drawn to that because it looks successful. Even though it's bogus, even though the things they're saying are not true, that's the era Paul was coming up in. So Paul is defending himself to these people. So one of the things that these people were known for was they would boast of their spiritual experiences. Oh, I had a vision, brother. God took me into heaven and I saw the Lord spoke to me personally. God met me at my window and told me some of these guys talk about their experiences with God like he's a homeboy. Yeah, I was just walking in my kitchen and the, the Lord showed up and said, hey, hey, Bill. Let me talk to you real quick, but you know, just like, like it's nothing. And Paul will share kind of in the third person about a, a genuine encounter, real vision from the Lord. And we need to really learn from how Paul lays this out. We should be more discerning about these things. Paul had a, there's a genuine encounter, a genuine vision into the third heaven. That's where, that's where the Lord resides. That's where the, that's where the glory is. And he says, man, the things I heard, I, I will see in just a moment. He says, I, it would have been a sin to try to speak it. I'm like, really, Paul? Because because there's a lady on television that says that she went and she's selling a book and she does speaking engagements for a certain amount of money. You know, so how come Paul, who really went, was like, I mean, 
Yeah, it would be as I can't even you have to wait till you get there. I, I can't express these words. How come Paul would say that and people be down here so freely saying what they saw? It, it, it makes me wonder, you know, of, of just maybe they didn't. Maybe it's bogus. You know, there been this one kid or he wrote a he wrote a book and then they put a movie out. And then afterwards he came and said it was, wasn't true. I made it up. <laughs> but he was loving that attention, boy. You know, he, everybody was like, it's a kid. It was so, he, wow. And people were selling the books. Pastors were sharing it. And, and then it's not even true. You know, we got to be content to learn about heaven from the Bible and quit looking for somebody to go. I saw the light and it was, I, 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 I could tell you what color Jesus was. And I could tell you, you know, who was there. And man, wait till you get there. Anyway, Second Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse one. We got to get in here. It says, uh, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, rather in the body, I do not know, or rather out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Now, you know, some would say, well, maybe Paul isn't really talking about himself because he's talking to the third person. It isn't until verse seven where he goes from talking to the third person and it just switches. He's like, yeah, you know, let's us know that I believe for sure that Paul is he went himself. But there's a humility. Paul said, look, so that we don't get all wrapped up in it. He's I know a man, you know, that 14 years ago, uh, rather in the body or out. Now, Paul says, what I don't know is rather, you know, I was I was dead or not. You know, I don't know if I was dead or knocked out. We don't know because of the time frames 14 years ago. Where was he? Some people think that this might be when Paul was in Lystra and he was stoned to death and God raised him up. Some, many people think that that's when it happened. It doesn't really matter. We don't know for sure. I've been reading for the last two weeks over this and I'm amazed at how many chapters and volumes of books men have written where, where God says, God said right here, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say, I really don't know. But you got books where everybody knows. I know where he was. I know what situation it was. I know. I'm like, he's, he, he don't know. He was, it was him. Anyway, so y'all be careful about that. Y'all be, I, that's, that's an interesting thing about commentaries. I'm, I, it'll be something God says I don't know. The Bible says I don't know. And it'll be four pages about, you know, uh, people speculating. Careful about that. So he says, I, I, I don't know. Rather, I was in the body or out. He says, God knows. But he says, such a one was caught up into the third heaven. What's the third heaven? They're not three heavens, but the, the Bible speaks of it this way. The atmosphere around us right now that we're breathing air in would be considered the first heaven. The star, the, the outer space where the stars and the skies and all that, that would be considered the second heavens. The third heavens is where God dwells. And so um, that's the one you can't get a telescope and look at. You got to have encounter with the living God. And so Paul says, I, I was I was caught up into the third heaven. So I was I was caught up into, you know, the, the place where God abides. And so verse three, he says, and I know such a man rather in the body or out of the body. I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. And so he says, when I got there, I heard words, I heard things, but they're inexpressible. It's inexpressible. He says, it would be a crime. It would be it would not be lawful for me to utter what I heard. Now, again, I read that and I think cause I would love to know. I would love some more insight. You know, we have very we have a little bit about heaven. You know, streets paved with gold. Every every glimpse you get of heaven, people are worshiping, fall on their deck, worshiping the king of kings. We know there's a throne. We know that all the attention seems to direct itself toward the throne from Revelation. But but we got There's a lot that we have to kind of look forward to. There's a lot of things that we don't know. Paul says what I heard. 
It's inexpressible. Like I can't, it would be a sin, it would be a, a crime. I, and I would just say this to us because just like in Paul's day, it's no different in our day. How many of you guys have heard people supposedly have a vision from heaven or they went to heaven or they died and saw it and, and then they have, they can tell you verbatim conversations and the Lord said this and you know God said this and he showed me this thing over here and that thing over there and it's like, Paul, Paul really went. Everybody, every human being I ever heard tell that story is, is a question. It's questionable. I don't know. What, what did you have for dinner that night? You know, was it from the I've had some crazy dreams. Maybe you had a dream. You know, um, Paul said, no, I was I was actually there. I mean, God, I, I was caught up into the third heaven and I heard things that were inexpressible. I, I'm, I'm pressing this point to you and I that we would be more discerning and more careful, more cautious as believers, because a lot of people want to carry us into a heavenly place and bring back down some word to you, some words from what they got from they were up there. I, I touched heaven and I got some words from heaven for you. And some of us, some people are so, so excited for the experiential and the, the mysterious and, and that sort of thing that, that we, we crave that, but, but it might not be true. We, we want to get to the place where we crave, the, you know, the word of God is living and powerful. And if you would just read it every day, I promise you, God would speak to you supernaturally. There'll be things that you pray and God, I was praying this and I just happened to be in this book and then just boom, right off the pages, God has spoke to my heart and he's ministering to me supernaturally. Who, I mean, I couldn't have picked to be at this chapter and at this verse on this day, but I just so happened to be there. I was talking to a brother this morning and he was sharing some things and just about, you know, struggling through some things and some challenges and the enemy, this, that. And I said, man, that's the whole message is about that. You know, we're going to look at Paul. He's going to share just some of the his his challenge that he had and just the weakness. And I said, I, I didn't pick. This. It's not like I heard you share this. And I, I'm going to redo my message right now to address your it. No, it's just there. It's just where that's the word is like that. It's supernatural. It's living. It's powerful. And I, I would just exhort us, encourage us as believers that we would we would really look to the word. We would look to the thing that's solid. We wouldn't be looking for signs and wonders. You guys know. The Bible speaks about in the end times when the Antichrist comes. One of the things that he's going to be able to do is deceive people with lying signs and wonders. So those believers in those church settings that have kind of made a lot of big to do of signs and wonders and all these things almost are setting people up uh, to be deceived or easy, easily deceived, you know. We know from back in the Old Testament, right? Pharaoh would, you know, the, his, his magicians would come out and, and they were going toe to toe with Moses, who was, Moses was throwing down the rod of God and, you know, but they were doing some magic. They did some things you're like, wow, they, they made that, they did that. You know, they couldn't do all of it. You know, they couldn't duplicate everything, but they did some things that were like, wow. And I'm sure in that era, people saw that and they said, whoa. You know, it's awesome. It's, it's, it, they got power. It's something about them, you know, but it was fraudulent. It was a fraud. So we should be cautious about being too excited about those things. Um, we, we really want to find our excitement in the word of God. The solid. It's true. You can cling to it. You can share it. You can believe it. You can go back and reread it and, and, and quantify what you read. It's, it's solid. So moving on, Paul says it was. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> He says it was it was uh, it would have been a crime for him to express these things. So now look at verse five. It says of such a one, I will boast yet of myself. I will not boast except in my infirmities. We're going to see this three times. But Paul says, look, I won't boast except for in my infirmities. 
which is a big difference between him and these false apostles he was coming up against. They always had to present themselves as powerful, perfect. Uh, anybody, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a holiness church, but I, I, I've known a couple ministers and people from a holiness. The holiness church people say that it's, 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 I don't know how they keep it up, you know, but they say that, you know, once you get saved, you're sinless. So if I were a minister in a holiness church, I would have to stand up here and tell you guys, you guys, I'm sinning 15 years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And all y'all have to do is ask my wife. Like, that's just, I, don't, I don't verify that record, you know? Ain't nobody here been 15 years without y'all. Some of us ain't gonna be 15 minutes, you know? But that in that movement, that they believe that. They're like, no, once you get saved, like, you're sinless now. You, you are sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you don't sin anymore. Can you imagine the work that would go into keeping up that facade to act like, I'm sinless? I couldn't even imagine the amount of sin I would have to do to maintain, you know, the how, how to keep people deceived into thinking I was that perfect, you know. But in Paul's day, these things were happening. And the ministers would present themselves as these flawless, powerful, you know, guys. And Paul said, look, I'm going to boast in my weakness. I'm weak. I'm frail. Now, here's the cool thing. We know Paul is the real deal. Genuine man of God. Definitely filled with the Holy Spirit. Absolutely called of God. Um, you know, the fruit of his life speaks all by itself of the magnitude of what God did through his life. And Paul says, but I got weakness. I got infirmities. I'm challenged in areas. I'm not flawless. I'm not I ever. I don't have it all together. I have some areas in my life where I'm broke. I get broken down. I have some things that are challenging me in my, in my life. And so rather than making us look at Paul and saying, I wish I could be like him. I read that and I think, wow, I, I got infirmities. I have challenges and, and I got some I got things, too. And, and what it does, it puts us all back down here where Paul's going to teach us. What do I do with those things? And I want to challenge everybody here to consider this. Consider. And, and, and I want to be specific because when he speaks about he's going to talk about his thorn in the flesh in just a moment, which is the source of his infirmity or his weakness. This isn't something he brought upon himself. That's a different situation. So some of us are dealing with you know, sin issues and sowing and reaping bad. That's one category over here. The way you fix that is you repent and you stop sowing bad and eventually you get some new crop. So that's how you handle this over here. But over here, the scenario where, hey, I'm walking with the Lord, I'm doing what God called me to do and I'm afflicted this way. It could be from the enemy. It could be something in my health. It could be something from the family, something that I have no power over, something that I, 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 can't, I can't change it. I can't fix it. But it, it, it affects my life. It impacts me heavily. There, at times, the enemy can use it to beat me down. It's a weakness. It's an infirmity. What do I do with those things? And again, for Paul, who's, you know, he's, he's, he's dealing with, you know, uh, critics. It's interesting that he would choose to speak about this part of his life. Paul's not trying to front. Paul's not trying to say, hey, think of me better than I am. He's saying, I have, I got, I'm a boast in my infirmities. Look at verse six. For though I might desire to boast, I would not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And Paul is basically saying here, I'm, I'm careful to, I, I don't want people to think of me as more than what I am. You know, Paul's not trying to convince us to, to, to see him in a greater way than what he actually is. Verse seven, he says, at least I should be exalted above measure 
by the abundance. And this is where he goes from the he's, from the third person to the first person. He's been saying, I know a man at, at some other time that had these visions and whatnot. But then in verse seven, he says, at least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. At least I be exalted above measure. So the whole lot in verse seven. First of all, he, he gives the reason. He says, I understand now the reason for my thorn in the flesh or my infirmity. He said, at least I should be exalted above measure because of all that God is doing in my life, because of the, the, it's the all the things that God has revealed to me, because of the revelations and the insight and all these things. God does this. God allows this thing in his life. At least he should be exalted. At least he should become prideful. And I got to speak on that. The most damaging thing that could happen to a child of God is that they become filled up with pride. It's the worst thing that could take place in the life of someone that God is using greatly. The person that maybe God has given you a gift. God, according to his grace, has given all of us some gift. He's given us all some abilities. He's given us all some. We got some natural stuff, but we have some supernatural things as believers that God's I've, I've graced you with these things. Unmerited favor. You don't deserve them. You don't earn them. You don't work for them. I just decided, boom, I'm giving you that and I'm gracing you with this. What can happen in human nature is we can become proud of our gift as though somehow we, 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 we earned it. You know, I, I worked for this. I worked really hard. No, it's a gift. You received it by grace. It was given to you, but it's part of human nature. You know, we almost do it to each other. Somebody be really gifted in the area and we'll, we'll puff them up and, and lift them up high and put them up there. And, and Paul says, God, because of the great things God was exposing me to, God said, man, I got to keep you humble. And I would say to anybody here that God is doing or done great things in your life and maybe exalted you in some areas, you want to be careful about pride. Pride is what took Satan down. Satan was the anointed cherub that covered. I mean, he was a high-ranking, authoritative angel in a, in, a, in a unique position in the heavenly realm to bring glory and worship to the Lord. But at some point, it was no longer enough for him to bring glory to God. He says, you know what? I'll be like the most high. I will. You got the I wills of Satan. And then God said, you will not. And he got thumped out. And they brought him down, right? That happens to people. Even the garden. That's what Satan went after. She says, uh, initially she saw the tree and she told Satan that God said, don't eat it. Don't even touch it. At least you die. And, and then after talking to Satan for a little bit, she says that she looked at the tree and saw that she changed her mind about it. She said, it, look, it looks good for food. She said, it looked desirable to make one wise. And she took up the fruit and she ate. Why did she eat? Satan said, you know, when you eat this fruit, You'll be just like God. You know, you'll know more than you know right now. Right now, all you know is good. You're going to get to know good and evil. You realize how what a bad deal that was? Adam and Eve were in a place where all they knew was good. And it was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Wouldn't y'all love to go to a place where, when I look at little kids, that's what I see. The innocence, they don't know evil. They just, they're just kids. They just run out. I love, I love to watch babies. I love to watch them play. Yeah, they're little sinners. They're like, give me mine. They stuff like that. But they're just, there's still an innocence and a cuteness about like, they just, you just, they don't know how bad and wicked. They don't know yet. They're just, you know, they're just, I love to see that they're enjoying that. I want to, I wish they could just enjoy it longer. It's, it's awesome. Right. And you grow up a little bit and you find out, you know, there's some wicked people out here. 
you know, and, and you got to school your kids because usually before they catch on, you're aware you got to help them out. You know, yeah, you got little girls and they're doing cartwheels. You got to put shorts on with that. Why? I just want them to do a cartwheel in my dress. But you can't cartwheel in your dress. It's just weird people out here, baby. We shorts on with your cartwheels. You'll understand later, you know, and we just have to help them out. Right. There's an innocence about them that is beautiful. Right. God does that. That's what Adam and Eve were living in. And Satan says, you can know good and evil. For real? That would have, what a bad deal. Uh, you know, but that's what happened. But it was pride, the pride of life, the pride of, I want to know more. I want to be like God. I'm not content with what I have. I want more pride. Everybody here struggles with pride to varying degrees. Some of us are overtaken with it. Some of you are battling with it. Some of you are overcoming it. But everybody has some level of pride. You got people that I've seen people be prideful with nothing to be proud of. Just prideful anyway. You know, it's like you ain't even got nothing to be proud of. Like, how you prideful? You know, but you'd be amazed at, 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 at what, what happens in our, our nature. And so God tells Paul, look, I, I want you to stay usable. And that's why I'm allowing this difficult affliction. I'm allowing this infirmity in your life. It has purpose. Every believer should understand that in the life of the child of God, Pain is always purposeful. God doesn't allow pain just because in your life. And sometimes, you know, we're going to see Paul, as we all do, if some painful thing is happening, we all pray. The first prayer is what? God, take it away. Take this painful thing. Could you take it away? Because it's painful. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like it. Sometimes it's the will of God as you pray to, to, to take it away. Praise the Lord. Sometimes as you pray, Lord, take it away. God will say, no, no, I'm doing something with that. I'm doing something through that that's greater than taking it away. I'm doing something through it. And that requires faith to persevere in the midst of that. Right. Um, we'll give you some Bible examples. I'm going to give you a few scripture pictures and then we're going to move on. Um, Joseph was a man who, you know, uh, had a lot of difficult things happen in his life. He was you don't really get any sin uh, listed about Joseph. Uh, there, was a, there was a purity about his life. He belonged to the Lord. God gave him a vision when he was young of what he was going to be and how the brothers and parents were going to bow down to him at some future date. He shared the vision. They couldn't stand him for the vision. Eventually, they throw him in a hole. They sold him into slavery. He ends up, you know, as a slave. He's the best slave there because everywhere you go and you read through G Genesis, it says the Lord was with them. The Lord was with them. The Lord was with them in, in the, in, as a prisoner and raised him up, you know, and he was the best prisoner there. Then he got to go into the house and he was in the house and man's wife came at him and he's a man of God. And so while this dude's wife, who probably wasn't ugly, was coming at him, he was like, no, I can't do this to my master. And he ran from her. Like, I mean, I really don't want to do this. You know, he ran from her. She took him and snatched his clothes and he ran on out of his clothes or whatever. And then she said, he raped me. He tried to rape me. And now, and I think, I really believe that he knew that that wasn't true because he would have been killed. But he put him in prison. If, 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 if the, the power, that man's power, if somebody had tried to rape his wife, it just off with his head, you know. But he said, I put him in jail. And so he, he got privileged to go to jail. That don't sound like a privilege, but in that predicament, I want y'all to know privilege, prison was a persevering. It preserved his life, you know. But now you got a man in prison legitimately. Like everybody in jail today is like, I didn't do it. He really didn't do it, you know. And he's in jail for something he didn't do. He got rape charges in prison, you know, for something he didn't do when he's there and, and, you know, helping other people out. Hey, remember me, guys, when you go back and they forget about him. I mean, I look at all this happens in his life. Just bad things. Eventually he gets brought out 
and you know he interprets the visions and he gets exalted to the second in, in command and his parent brothers come down and, and now he's in the position I could I could offer all your heads. I can get everybody back. You know what he said? One of my favorite verses in Genesis, Genesis 50 20. 50 20. He said, You guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many people alive today. Second Corinthians is a book that circles back to some things that were hit on in 1 Corinthians. There had been some sin within the church in between the first letter and this letter. The Corinthians had dealt with the sin and were moving past that, working toward unity and forgiveness. This is something that's easier said than done. The hard work is addressing sin, but sometimes the hard work that's required after that is choosing to forgive once the sin issue has been resolved. This is the best way for relationships to move forward after having a rift. Are any of these topics something that you can relate to in your life? Pointing out areas of sin, working at forgiving, and striving for unity? Of course they are. You're human. We like to come alongside you and be a support in these areas that you might be currently addressing. Would you text or call us and share where you are in the process? Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We'd be happy to listen and pray with you through these things. If you're in the area, it would be so great to meet you in person. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you'd like more info, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org for our location and directions. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you in the days that we're living in. Join us again on A Transforming Word.